Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive on Arteris in time for episode number 355. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Sean rejoins us this week. I wasn't invited, but I came anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we told everybody you went off and did your own podcast. Oh, I know. So. Oh, you listened, did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to check in on you guys. <laughs> what's new with you guys this week? I am really tired. So what's new? <laughs> I'm even more tired than normal ah. from doing outside-related works plus yeah, time change. You gain an <coughs> hour of uh, with the daylight savings, but you don't get an a- gain an hour of sleep when you have an infant. We went and saw Thor Ragnarok. So did we. So did we. Hey, what'd you guys think? I liked it a lot. It was it was great. It was a lot of fun. I was worried about it being another Guardians movie because the, they seem to be taking that formula, but I'm glad that they did. It's very different than the first two films. I think it's the best Thor film out there. I'm an apologist for the first two because I really like the first two films. Yes, even Thor The Dark World I liked. But this was really good. It was fun. It was the right balance of humor and dark. I knew Ragnarok was going to be a dark story because that's the the Norse apocalypse, the end of the world for them, for the gods. I knew that was coming. I knew enough from the comics that Ragnarok was a very dark storyline. They made it a very dark storyline, yeah. but they put enough levity in there to really balance everything that was going on. The characters were wonderful. I love the reintroduction of the Hulk. I'm glad he's in it. And they tell a really good story, and Chris Helmsworth is great. He's phenomenal. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was wonderful. As we approached the end of the film, I, I started thinking to myself, my God, could you imagine if DC had made this movie? I would be wanting to split my wrist by the <laughs> yeah. end of this thing. <laughs> but with in the hands of... I can't pronounce the director's name. He just does such a good job of balancing the humor and the and the seriousness and the darkness of the story. So well, well. the writers have some credit to that as well. Well, I think. yes, yeah. but it sounds like there was a lot of improving on the set. I thought the the direction was phenomenal, the acting was phenomenal, the the music. This was the first Marvel film that I noticed the score yeah. and thought it was spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be buying the soundtrack to this one. I thought that same thing. It was like, this is the first Marvel soundtrack other than Guardians that I feel like, yeah, I'd go get that. It's, it's the first score I would go get. Yeah. There was so, there's so much to like in this. Um, I, I, too, had the, I hope that they're not going to Guardians it. But they did it in such a way that, I mean, it just it became this Buddy Road movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and it really worked with, with, with Thorn Hulk. I think the only two complaints that I can come up with is... One, I feel like some of the jokes were spoiled a little bit by the trailer. The other thing was the the, the Warriors Three. I, I really feel <laughs> I, I felt these, these have been underused characters since Thor One. I loved the fact that they just I kept waiting for them. I love the fact that what's her face isn't back though. Lady Sith. Yeah, yeah she's great. credited on the IMDb page, and I'm like, she was not in this movie. <laughs> she was asked she was mentioned and couldn't <laughs> because of the blind of blind spot. Yeah, yeah but still. You know, I kept waiting for these guys to become cool. It's like, oh, this is gonna be great. This is gonna go. And then they didn't get to do anything. And then the second movie, it's like, oh, he's gonna go get his friends, and they can fight off the Asgardian forces while he escapes with Loki. This will be great. No, <laughs> man. So then the third one, it's like, okay, maybe they'll. Oh wait, no, they're dead. <laughs> so I felt a little, a little bummed over that. Other than that, I have it's, it's a minor thing. You know, it's just... one of my favorite small things about it was Anthony Hopkins. Especially 
when you first see him and he's pretending to be Loki, <laughs> pretending to be Odin. The acting in that I is absolutely that. phenomenal. <laughs> and then it becomes Anthony Hopkins as Odin, and it's just kind of standard par for Anthony Hopkins. But they're just that little bit is just shows how good of an actor he is. It was so much fun. I also watched uh, the 1996 version of The Island of Dr. Moreau, which I had seen before, but it had been a really long time. This, the creature effects are just so spectacular in it that it's almost easy to gloss over some of those lesser points because you're so amazed by the effects you're seeing on screen. So for that aspect alone, it's worth definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it. Mel and I went out and saw The Dark Terror before it released on, uh, on Blu-ray because it's over at the cheap theater. How was it? It's good for what it is. If you have read the books, you will be disappointed. And, and obviously, there's no way they can encapsulate eight books worth of material into a 90-minute movie. Um, so I was prepared for that. But this really, really, really is the abbreviated Cliff Notes. If you discount the fact that it's based on eight books, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's not a bad little movie. But it's really hard to discount that it's based <laughs> on eight books. <laughs> Uh, we watched the first three episodes of Stranger Things, so I'm only two in. Uh, I'm quite enjoying it. It's 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 really good. It's I it's unlike the first series of Stranger Things. I think it hits the ground running. Glenn, how did uh, the end of your Halloween watch go? Oh yeah, that yeah, ended this week. It. Yeah, I did. Uh, watched Annabelle on Monday, and then I watched. Uh, I chose Friday the Thirteenth Part Three just because I had done one and two, and I thought, you know what, I. And so this plan to watch all of them didn't really. Go, yeah, come didn't to go, didn't come to fruition. But I got three of them out of the way. But now we're getting into ones that I seen more recent and remember. Anything else? Should we move on to news? Let's let's move on to news. Unfortunately, we start with some sad news. A couple of passings uh, earlier this week. Patty Russell passed away. Patty uh, died at the age of eighty nine, and she was one of the very first. Uh, female directors at the BBC and was the first female director for Doctor Who. She did some landmark episodes, including um, well, she she the first one she did was the Massacre at Saint Bartholomew's Eve, and then she later did Invasion of the Dinosaurs, uh, Pyramids of Mars, and Horror of Thing Rock. So two of my favorite episodes are included in that grouping. Yeah, and then unfortunately. We also lost Dudley Simpson. Uh, that was just today, right? Yeah, the, at least it was announced today. Yeah. <coughs> Died at the age of 95. And, of course, he was worked on at least 100, 290 episodes writing the score to over 60 stories. Huge, influential uh, musician for Doctor Who. And a lot of the, the sound of the show we love wouldn't be what it is if it weren't for him. It's true. Very true. Does it list his, uh, his, was he kind of scattered or did he have a specific era that he... No, uh, he goes from Planet of the Giants all the way up to Horns and Imo. That's what I thought. Yep. Most of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just... Well, And rats. he even appeared on screen in Talon's Wang Chang. Enough sad news. So we had a bit of this news that were, was unofficial months ago, but Big Finish has announced officially that Jenny is back as the Doctor's daughter in Audio Adventures. Yay! With Maybe. Georgia Tennant uh, reprising her role. Yay! So uh, he, she will, of course, have her own companion in the form of Sean Biggerstaff, who played Oliver Wood in the Harry Potter films. Very good. Wow. Okay, cool. 
So they are available for pre-order. I have not found a release date yet, but we've got Stolen Goods by Matt Fitton, Prisoner of the Ood by John Dorney, Neon Rain by Christian Barassington, and Zero Space by Adrian Poynton. Oh, release in June 2018. Oh, far out. Oh, so we've got, yeah, seven well, months, seven, seven months. eight months. But yeah. yeah, I guess we are almost at the end of 2017, aren't we? Hard to believe. It's rolling closer. You know what that means. It's been a better year than 2016. In some ways. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is just around the corner. Yes, it That's is. Right. Next month. Our last bit of news is we thought we'd give a shout out to uh, Lothbridge Stewart at Candy Jar Books and their new websites. They have a new website. They have a new, very new, new website. website. Lethbridge it's Stewart. A really sharp looking website, Lethbridge I think. Lethbridge-stewart.co.uk. Very impressive. And if you go and check out their website, there is a poll you can take part in. Uh, and enter to win a very lovely piece of art. And remember, the correct answer for best short story... <laughs> I think it's favorite short story. The correct answer for your favorite short story... I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a really cool feature of a timeline. If it matters, I did not vote for my own short story for favorite <laughs> short story. Okay, Sean, nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the timeline's really cool. Uh, the Heisman Estate approved multiverse timeline, and it breaks down absolutely every single Brig related story that has been released. Not just the Lethbridge Stewart ones. It's Dimensions in Time. Everything. <laughs> everything through. Uh, you know what is on there, though? Downtime. <laughs> I'm sure that was a bone thrown just, <laughs> just, just for, for you. you. Gonna write that short story. I don't care what he does with it, but I'm gonna write it. You need to. So go check out their new you website. You write it and I'll eat my hat. <laughs> and that's it for our news. Any feedback this week? Yes, there is some that we missed last week. We, we did. Lost in my emails. Oh. Robert. Uh, we can't even run a show by ourselves, Keith. I know, I know. This is why you can't have nice things if I don't show up. The funny thing is you were here and you're the one that's the keeper of the feedback. <laughs> Subject, TE3 and music. Hello. Sending you a few words, maybe more than a few, about various and sundry. It was good seeing all of you at Time 83. I'm glad you had a great time and that your panels went well. Naturally, I had to miss them because I was at my table selling books. I was also distracted when you were at the classic TARDIS console, so I hope you'll post a photo or video soon. And yes, I did almost cry a few times at closing ceremonies. It's sad that the con only went three years, but I have to say that I'd never dreamed Wichita would have even gotten one Doctor Who con with actual guests from the show. Ah, well. Moving on, as my table was next to Dominic Glenn's signing table, I got to chat with him about a few things. One thing I asked him about was something I'm not sure you mentioned when making the rounds on Facebook. A few months back, a concept music video came out on YouTube titled, What If John Carpenter Did a Doctor Who Theme? The YouTube channel, George C. Music, has some similar concept music videos, with the most recent being versions done in the styles of Vangelis and Kraftwerk. Here is the link to the channel, which we, of course, will put in the show notes. And if you haven't seen these, they're really pretty cool. They are. Which leads me to a possible idea for an upcoming episode. A discussion of the music of Doctor Who. Not so much a historical discussion, but perhaps more of a fan chat. Do you notice the music used? Are there any composers over the decades you've liked? Have you, have any of you owned any of the soundtrack albums, CDs, or downloads? Is there anything else about the music of the series that stands out for you? 
I'll save my thoughts in case you decide to pursue the topic. I will say that I had the album issued after The Five Doctors came out with sweets from early 1980 episodes, and I bought the 50th anniversary release of the series' music as a download from iTunes. Earlier this month, I put up a couple of posts on my blog about my cord-cutting journey. The second post was about what podcasts I'm listening to, and naturally, TTV was on the list. I wonder if you might be interested in taking some time to talk about what podcast you're listening to, and maybe ask other listeners which podcast they're following. You never know when a mention from someone else will turn you on to a new favorite podcast. That's all for now. Hope to see you all again sometime, and yes, Sean, when neither of us are busy, so that we can just talk for a bit. Yours, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Thank you, yeah, Robert. Thank you, Robert. You guys want to give any plugs to any other podcasts you're listening to? Doctor Who related? <laughs> I don't know if it matters. Uh, I'm listening to... just discovered a new one, and now I can't remember what it is. I think I mentioned uh, the Purple Stuff podcast. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago. That's one I've been listening to. I'm listening to another one, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's an NPR podcast, and it's a game show, pop culture game show. Hmm. I'll open my phone That sounds here. right up your alley. I still read yeah. It's All... Or read. I still listen to all, It's All Connected, because that's a MCU podcast. I think some of these I've mentioned... No Such Thing as a Fish, which is th- for the writers from um, QI on BBC. <laughs> Ask Me and Others, the NPR that I'm watching. Or li- watching, I'm listening to these. I'm listening to uh, Five-ish Fangirls is on my list and Radio Free Scarrow. Those are the one, probably the ones I listen to the most. Uh, my list is very short. I don't have as much time to listen to them as I used to. Uh, but it's mainly for Doctor Who related. This Week in Time Travel, Two Minute Time Lord when he, re- when he occasionally puts out an episode. And then the Oodcast when the show was going. Well, it's no wonder you don't listen to very many podcasts. Those are like seasonal and every two or three months. <laughs> <laughs> this week in time travel is every week on the oh, Okay, all right. Except for the few weeks they missed them. Uh, <laughs> and then, it happens. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and then other than that, I've been listening to the West Wing Weekly as a, as a big rewatch and listen along. And uh, one of the hosts of that has another podcast called Song Exploder which is really good, uh, where he talks to artists and they break down how they constructed the songs. I occasionally get to listen to the Five-ish Fangirls. Um, on my list is Welcome to Night Vale. I have not started it yet, but it's been so heavily recommended to me by so many people um, that uh, I would like to try it. And then um, I don't know if this is, I assume this one's an, a visual and not an audio podcast, but how did this get made, which is uh, about disaster movies not disaster movies like it was a disaster to watch mm. and they cover things like junior and rollerball and uh <laughs> how, how did this get made and so that's kind of the benefit I, I think that would be a fun one but i, I have not uh, i've not partaken in it yet so mm. my list is very uh, unfortunate <laughs> well that's all we have this week for and every now and then i listen to ours <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't forget, you can send us feedback by going to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Or you can send it directly to feedback at TravelingTheVortex.com. Or you can also reach out to us on any form of social media. It's kind of a good idea about the music. We may have to... Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something we should put on the schedule. We should, we should, we should uh, probably in the next year. Like, maybe, 2018. Like Maybe we'll get something from Dr. Phil. Yeah. If he's not dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> He's not. I see him on Facebook every now and then. So, I don't know if we've been that funny lately. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> He's completely safe driving. We've not been that funny lately. Well, let's move on to our reviews. 
Ooh, <laughs> this could be interesting. Excellus Rising. A thousand years after his first visit to the planet Arteris, the Doctor returns. The city of Excellus has grown, spreading a vast empire throughout the globe. Science and engineering have provided a new age of reason. But the more things change, the more they stay the same. And once again, death follows the mysterious relic through the halls of the Imperial Museum. When the Doctor finds himself helping the curator and the local authorities with this mystery, he finds himself crossing paths with a familiar face from Excellus's history. But no one lives for a thousand years, do they? Bum, bum, bum. I thought this one was quite enjoyable. It was enjoyable. Again, the performances are 90% of the enjoyment factor of this. Uh, I thought Colin yeah. Baker was really great. Uh, and Anthony... Um, Stewart Head. Stewart Head. I kept my mind call He's credited as Anthony as... Anthony Head here, but yeah. Yeah. Well, on the cover, it's Anthony Stewart Head. He goes yeah. back and forth all the time. I keep wanting to call him Anthony Michael Head for some reason. Yeah. Anthony Stewart Head. Um, he, he's, he's such a joy to listen to. The cadence and the... the, the richness of his voice i mean if you just you put a phone book in front of him i'd go okay <laughs> i mean he's, he's just that magnetic of a, a, yeah, a vocal I think, personality I think this is the, his best performance out of the three so far the story-wise is just kind of like mm. <laughs> i guess maybe i just don't care about excellus <laughs> is my problem um i don't know did somebody talk somebody else give me a you know talk me into liking the story better than you know it was good it just wasn't i don't think i can i i think this story is better than the first one we listened to a celestons i think that this i I agree with you i think the acting is the most part of it i really enjoy listening to colin baker really i i you know i said uh anthony stewart had the first audio as graveborn was just eh but I think that's because the character was written dimensional, two-dimensionally. This character has a lot more dimensionality to it. And I really enjoyed listening to Anthony Stewart in this one. I thought yeah. he was he was phenomenal in this. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to put my finger on why I'm not giving it high marks because there was nothing bad about this story. It just, again, it feels like the middle chapter of a three-chapter trilogy, a three-story trilogy, which it, it kind of is because if my recollection is correct, the Bernie, uh, the Benny, uh, Iris Wildtime one is sort of, it's connected to this, but it's not as directly connected because the Doctor is more part of, of the post Yeah. So, um, but it really kind of feels like the middle part of, of something big that's going to happen. I thought the end of it was a little bit, the, the finale was a little lackluster, mm-hmm. although I wasn't surprised that the his uh, spirit or conscience or whatever imprinted within the the museum itself because i mean we i knew they had to get him on to the next one because i knew that Andy Stewart <laughs> was in that one as well um i liked the uh i like how the, the the best part of this was that the 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 what was the character's name i'm just gonna call him reeve because uh the reeves misunderstanding That's his first of name, reeve no According he's to... he's a reeve Oh, well, yeah. this, this says Reeve. No, there were wards. Remember, they talked about there were oh, wards. Yeah. There were Reeves. Maupassant. Yeah, he's he was Reeve Maupassant. Yeah, <laughs> he was Reeve Maupassant. But I'm I'm just going to call him the Reeve. He was uh the the Reeves misunderstanding of the Doctor's regeneration. Yeah, and I kept thinking I th- as the Doctor was explaining it, he would he was being a, a bit aloof about it. He was saying, well, you know, it's much more complicated than that. 
But the Reeve would say, no, no, just simple yes or no questions. And he would ask him and he asked him basically the two questions and the answer was yes to both. And I love how he just, he drew his own conclusion to that. And I thought, wow, okay, he, he understood it a lot simpler than he did. But then after the doctor leaves and he kind of, <laughs> he kind of expounds on what his understanding of what the doctor told him was, was that he's stealing bodies, basically. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, that's that's kind of a clever device for our bad guy to misinterpret what the doctor <laughs> does. And uh, it, that's now his motivation in order to move on to the next life. And, I and thought, oh, the, that's kind of cool. And then in, in hindsight, having listened to the next part, how that aspect of it thrusts through into the next story, I thought right. was really smart, too. Yes, agreed, agreed. Uh, because ultimately, that's what he had to do in order to yeah. <laughs> continue on. I did like the nugget of the idea that uh, the sister was still mixed in with yes. his personality. Yes. Yeah. And that he hadn't slept in a thousand years. Because any time he let go consciously, she would take over. Right. Or attempt to. Um, and I just the, Well, I, the moment where he says that you've been awake for a thousand years, how do you dream? Or he says... You have to sleep because you have to dream. The, the mind has to process all the different things and file things away. And he says, oh, I didn't say I don't dream. And I was like, oh, wow, like waking <laughs> dreams. That's a cool yeah. concept. Yeah, that, that was a very, very cool moment. Um... Well, the, some of the best stuff. Sorry, did I steal uh, your thunder no, there? No, no, no. <laughs> some of, some of the best stuff of the story is the doctor and Grayborn interacting with each other. I agree. And confronting each other. The rest of it is just kind of middling of... Obviously, we know who's kind of behind it once he shows up, and it's the doctor proving his worth, and it's kind of very standard. I think that's it's not middling; it's standard. It's standard, yes. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly else. right. I do like uh, Minister Price who steps in, and he the the curator brings him in to do the séance in order to communicate with the recently dead in order to find out uh, more information. And I should thought be a handbook that, for that. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. I kind of thought that was neat how he immediately knew that the doctor, from his reactions, knew that the doctor was not guilty, but he couldn't lead on to it. So he comes up with the story about keeping him there until morning or it will break the, oh, uh, yeah. the seance or, the, or the, the connection with the spirit world in order to give the doctor some time to, to kind of unravel what's really going on here. I thought that was pretty cool. I was Actually, it was one of those, oh, okay, I like this guy at yeah. this point. So that was neat. It felt a little weird that we, we get this age of reason, you know, for, for, compared to the Excellus of old, where it's right. the marketplace and ritual sacrifices and stuff that we're now in this this new age of reason. And, and oh, bring out the seance. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, there's a lot of talk of mysticism. Yeah, they're, they're, well, they're still uh, clinging to a yeah, lot I of that. Yeah, I think they are. It's, and it's I think organized. The, the, the age of reason almost. concept is even brought more forth in the next story. That's yeah. where they talk more about the age of reason. But yes, this is obviously the early days of the age of reason and obviously they're still clinging on to the past we have this organized mysticism yes yes some interesting concepts here but yeah for me it's 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 purely the performances is what carried me through on this one i also liked inquisitor danby i thought she was an enjoyable she was character good. Yeah, she, was good. she was good her growth and journey throughout the story i think was a, a well a well worthy addition well it's she comes and she finds that she with the curator finds the the uh, body trapped in the door has died has been crushed yeah and then later on she sees the the bodies of the uh, curator and uh, the other guy and the the other thief 
And she's like, she reacts to it. And I thought, well, that's kind of a weird reaction for a police officer. And the doctor brings it up. She says, this is the first time you've seen bodies. And she talks about, you know, most of it's like clerical and just robberies, robberies and things like yeah. that. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting to be, these are your first instances of, of homicide, basically, as a as an officer of the law. That that was kind of an interesting concept to have that interjected into the the whole you know, uh, it's not something you get very often. Exactly, you yeah, don't. Yeah. It's a new experience for this particular officer, and so I thought that was kind of cool. Look, there are good things to say about this. I, <laughs> I I went into this thinking, and I'm glad you said you narrowed it down. So it's just kind of standard because I listened to it and I thought, what well, didn't, didn't didn't love it, didn't hate it. So I thought, okay, well, but what can I say about it? Now we sit down here, start talking, and I was like, oh, there was a lot of good things about but this. There are some things. It's just overall, it doesn't. Doesn't then, wow you? No, it doesn't I, wow I, I, I liked it better than the third part. See, I like this better than the first part. <laughs> I would agree there. I would, I would agree with you there. <laughs> Although Iris kind of outbalances a little bit. If like, like, uh, taking Iris out of the equation, yes, this yes. is this is the pinnacle so far of the Excel story <laughs> for, for for the plot. Yes, I think the Iris being in the first story makes that one not standard. Right. Right. This Absolutely. one. Having all of the kind of the, the the main trappings of of a Doctor Who story makes it standard. So yes. I think that that's part yeah. of the reason. Well, should we move on to? I guess uh, maybe that's it's the highest backward-handed compliment that we can pay a story when we say it's, it's a standard. It's story. a sta- it's a standard Doctor Who story with great performances. <laughs> well, that's what you want, isn't it? Oh well, yeah, yeah. I want it to be Doctor Who. So <laughs> good job. Not every story can be outstanding. It's you either st- aim for standard or outstanding, and then hey, you know some of them are Case of Adrizani, some of them are Twin Dilemma. This is in the middle. <laughs> this is true. Well, let's move on to Excellus Decays. When the Doctor last visited the city of Excellus, its citizens were about to enter an age of enlightenment and reason. But some centuries later, he discovered vicious, a vicious totalitarian regime at war with the rest of Arteris. Arteris. Living off the efforts of the, a drugged and broken underclass. Who is the mysterious Lord Sutton, and what does he have over the ruling classes? What are the meat puppets, and what role do they play in the eternal war? And why is the Doctor's arrival on the in the arrival the final piece in a plan that has been centuries in the making? Throughout his lives, the Doctor has fought many legends, but some legends refuse to die. Yeah. Again, this is. See, I I liked this one a lot better, and I think number one, I think that this is Anthony Stewart Head's best performance of the three so far. This one, that's what the that's where I this is where I really got impressed with him because as we talked about last week, I've always thought Anthony Stewart Head's a pretty good actor. Yeah, but he had the two dimensional character to work with in, and so I expected more, but he had to do what he had to work with. Then he comes to the next one, and he's this like very stoic, very level, you know, being. But he puts so much, you know, uh, energy and, and emphasis in his voice that you really you're you're compelled and you're listening to him. And he's and I thought, wow, this is a really good performance out of him. Then we turn around and come to this character, which is a little more manic, a little more uh, out there, and he plays it completely different. So when you look back on these, it's three completely different characters. They're embodiments of the same being. 
but he plays them in so many different or so yeah so different ways of each one that by the time I got to this one I was like I really like this guy <laughs> I mean not the not the character himself but the actor just oh, how much yeah. he puts into it and so I that that was the best thing about this one was that then you put somebody who is charismatic and dark and mysterious and and uh, enigmatic as the seventh doctor in the story and now you've got these two characters that you that I just really enjoyed listening to them and I thought the engagement between those two was a thousand I mean I liked the engagement between him and and the sixth doctor but I thought that it, it accelerated it immensely in this one so I thought they played off of each other so well and of course Sylvester McCoy when he's playing dark he plays it well he just oh, yeah. you just you you take him so serious at that point because he's one of those doctors that he can be that goofy fun clown with the spoons and doing all the fun stuff and juggling and then he can turn around and he can be this really dark brooding guy and it just i i really really like that about that uh, also i think that the trappings of this of the uh surrounding here we're at war he's creating what I, I didn't like the word meat puppets i thought that was kind of a weird term to use but, oh by the way that last one was written by uh david mckinty who wrote Schizoid Earth, by the way. Really? Yes. <laughs> so if you didn't know that one. Um, this one's written by Greg Hinton. I don't know what else he's written. So, um, But anyway, so I like the trappings of the story. Uh, now, Yiji So, I liked the kid, and I loved him in Doctor Who, the movie, but I really thought he was he, phoning it in as the yeah. uh, major. He just... And, and the, the only excuse... That was the only problem with it, is he was so flat sometimes... That it made me wonder if he didn't go to Big Finish, that maybe he recorded his stuff in a studio and didn't have anybody to play it off of. Like because it sounds like some of the lines anything. are just laid in there, you know? And so I was I was really struggling with this story, keeping into the story, because I, I kept wanting to rationalize why he sounded so flat and was just, I mean, I don't know, he wasn't super great in Doctor Who the movie either, but I mean, it just, he... He seemed to me like he was acting in that. This, he just felt like he was phoning it in. So that was a problem. But uh, the trappings of the war and the fact that we've got him, we've got, uh, now what was the character's name in this one? Because I completely forget. What, Sutton. Uh, Sutton, yeah. Sutton's uh, creating these meat puppets in order to use the, to take people's souls and put them in there to create these armies that are, basically killing machines and that's his motivation is we've gone so many years that he's not he's almost on the verge of madness that he's just ultimate domination of the planet was it Arteris? is that what's called he's ultimately going to just kill off everything in Arteris and 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 you know just and then eventually steal because he 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 now has well that was the other thing that i thought was genius about this is the fact that the doctor's been there before and he's touched the artifact or not artifact the relic, relic that a piece of his soul has been left behind there. And so that's how he's able to kind of understand and learn more about the doctor and know all of this stuff that's out there. And he wants to take control of the doctor's TARDIS so that not only is he going to take Artemis and destroy it, he's going to go on and he's going to take over the... I thought that was... It, it sounds very uh, machinacious, but it was just... It, it, I know there was something about it. I was like, okay, you've really taken from point A and elevated the threat all the way up to here where it needs to be. And so I really liked that concept of it. I, would, I agree with what you what you say for the most part, except for the fact that it takes too long to get the Doctor and Sutton together. I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that. That needed to happen way sooner. And it was interesting to explore what this new, what Excellus is like now, but it takes so long to do it. And it feels like 90% of the story is 
um, I want to say exhibition, but that's not the right word. Well, it's it's exposition. set up exposition. exposition. Yeah. yeah, there's so much talking about what's going on as opposed to like actually things happening. Which Big Finish, I it's the times to some extent, it feels like the person who wrote this didn't have a good grasp on the audio format, so he felt like he had to explain everything instead of you know what we normally get from Big Finish of sparse explanations. But I will say like, what it what it does though is it it seems like. This is the one story that I felt like there's a lot going on at the end, and it's probably because of what you said. But it's almost like there was no way to to keep the drama going through the whole thing, the dramatic climax elements of it through the whole thing. And so that was the the fill-in was to kind of slowly build us to it. I think that was the way I took it. I didn't have a problem with that very well, it much. Just felt like throughout, but I see your point. It felt like throughout the whole thing we were just getting large chunks of info dump. Of, oh look, here's why there's no libraries. Blah, 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 blah. And here's, then the relationship between the uh, yeah. Here, here, here's my the, entire life backstory. The, I don't need to know yeah. your entire life. Just <laughs> get on with the story. I mean, there's to some a little bit is enough to give me a Okay, let's thrust it forward. But the amount of detail that he went into about all, everything, I don't think was absolutely necessary. That's my biggest complaint with the story. Okay, I agree with both of you. I, I, Glenn, I like what you said about the threat level being elevated and his desire to kind of take over the TARDIS and that he's now going to spread beyond Excellus. Except he's been around for how long now? A few thousand years. A few thousand years, and he still hasn't conquered the planet? <laughs> I mean, he was a, he was the warlord, and he couldn't get the job done. And well, then, but he, he, but then he was the guy, and he's been there for a thousand years, influencing stuff, and he couldn't get the job he done. He was working his way up, at he's least. He's working yeah, his way up, and yeah. now, he, now the big plan is uh, meat puppet zombie war. <laughs> Shouldn't you just be president or something by now? Well, you've had yes. this kind Can of you be emperor of the planet. Yeah, I, I, but I also... and honestly, that would have been a more interesting story than him still being this kind of weird scientific Davros character. But I think the, the <laughs> I think the thing about that was is I think that we don't know how long he was trapped in in a spirit form. That's true. Between the time that the doctor removes him from the body, and uh, when he opens the relic and he is pulled out of the, the, the body of the last guy, the Reeve. And then we don't know how long he's been before he finally was able to possess okay. another I'll, body. I'll give, I'll give you that. And, but, but the doctor, now to your point, the doctor does look back through the history and he realizes that somebody's been there manipulating uh, the timeline or manipulating things, society, so that you have these great, you know, the, these abrupt changes in the way things goes. And, and it makes me wonder as if how much of that he was having to do, he wasn't doing physically, he was having to do from beyond in order to get things to lay in line. And so I, I think that, not to mention, it, he has been around for thousands of years, and he still obviously isn't sleeping. Although I think I get the impression at that point that the uh, Mother Teresa was separated from him at that point, right? Do I remember that I... right? No, she wasn't because she was still trapped she, in there. Because she you was hear still her. she was still trapped. That's right. Well, because at the end she's yeah. uh, manifested again finally. But um, the but I, I just have the feeling he's just he he's just so he's got, he's so nuts. Yeah, that this was this was the smartest choice, and so he just he got from here and then was okay. Forget being president. Forget the power. For, it didn't work for me when I was Greyborn. It didn't work for me. I, mean, I tried to work up through the ranks when I was a Reeve. 
to heck, I'm going to go be this mad scientist and just take everything over. So I, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a lot more forgiving because you do have a good point. But I think that that's sure, that I'll was my thing. That, way, that was not? my <laughs> thing about it is I thought he's just he's just BS crazy right now is what it boils down to. He's got the, you know he's got his little checklist and he's like a warlord that didn't work <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nope. Let's go on the plan C. The president. No. Oh, tech. Yeah, we could try that one. <laughs> sure. All right. It's just three stories, though. I mean, you got you got to advance it that quick. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 interactions between him and the doctor were 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 the highlight of it. But again, like what you said, Keith, it took way too long to get them together, and it, it was just too much, too much exposition, too much not happening and i don't know like i said maybe i'm just tired of excellus maybe it's just like it's a boring planet anyway i'm done with this place i want to get off of this Arteris is the planet well Arteris is, is excellus the, is the city city well or, or at least their city state the, the 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 thing i did like salas i i like his story arc throughout the entire story of his being the the gruff commission commissar and then kind of warming up and then you know discovering that his son's still alive and you know well, that's what i liked is that that it it he, it's almost a reckoning for him, and I kind of like that because he realizes that he made the mistake of turning her away and her son away, you know, eventually yeah. because she, he was so afraid of his career being damaged by the fact if anybody found this out, especially once Sutton has discovered it blackmails him, then yeah. he's like, okay, I've got to put this aside, and 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 so I like the fact that he's his reckoning is kind of when he realizes that his son is still alive, and although although one part of that it was really weird to me was the fact that. So they think he's dead, and they think he's reanimated, and being in charge of meat well, puppets. Well, one of the one of the and mom, then there's like dialogue. We of the meat puppet says, "Mother, help me!" Uh, and so I thought, okay, brain's gone. That's it. That's the one that he's in. And then there's some dialogue from Sutton about when, I have him here. That kind of thing. Well, and, yeah. and, and then he says something to them. Oh, does it really matter to you, Salas or whatever? Yeah. And then. He actually shows up, yeah. and then he has the exact same line again. I thought the same Sutton thing. did. It was so repetitive and so unnecessary. I it thought was the really same weird. thing. I thought it was weird, too. Well, because because thought, when he said that, when he asked the same question again, I thought to myself, well, yes, he just answered you. But he says it in more of a normal voice. It's not the uh, gargle. This one, Mother, I need help me. Then it's like, wait a minute. It, it's, it well, seems like he, he has more of his faculties. Well, it, I, I got the impression that whatever... He was speaking through the meat puppet, and then he comes out. Okay, and well that makes free sense. On his then. own, that makes it's sense. It's the Sutton stuff that doesn't make sense to me because it's like he had a no offense, Sean had a stroke <laughs> midway through and didn't remember the conversation. He oh, just I had see five what you're minutes saying. Before. Yes, yes, yes. He does. It does. He did that once earlier. He does when, when but the, he's crazy. When, he's BS crazy. That's all you have to worry about. When, when the doctor first shows up, thousands and of the years talking to him. I don't remember the line, but Sutton asked something. And the major went to reply, and he kind of, you know, slapped him down a little bit. The doctor says something, and then Sutton says virtually the exact same line as what he did two seconds ago when the major interrupted him. I sort of remember and, that. And yeah. it was like, like I almost thought there was a glitch with my audio. Yeah. That, yeah. that kind of thing. I was like, no, he just said it I, twice. <laughs> once that second line happened with the song, I thought, oh, is there a glitch? But then everything was different. That's so right. I was like, I, what? Yeah. That's what? right. I know what you're talking about there. It made no sense. I, I think I sort of noticed that as well. 
Which, as you're building to a climax, is a huge flaw. <laughs> but it could have been an editing issue, too, where they just, they had this edit, they did this line this way, and then they said, well, no, I think this works better if we put it here. And then they didn't end up editing the one line, the oh. one time out might have been. But to do it twice seems kind of odd. I think the biggest problem I think I have is just the fact that it's a war. That's, <laughs> here we go. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, just. Sean didn't like the war stories. I, didn't I, like I the think war they stories. could have delved into the war more, honestly. I think what they were doing was interesting with the drugging and the society and everything could have just well, been flushed out even more, I think. This this whole thing screams 1984. Yes. The, the, yeah. the whole structure, yeah. the inner party, outer party. I mean, there's a lot of 1984 elements in this story. In fact, he borrowed heavily from that whole uh, plot. Uh, and that's very much what the the basis of this uh, city-state society is. Yeah. So. Now, I will say that from a trilogy structure, it so makes sense that we went 5th, 6th, 7th. Just the, 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 the way that these stories play out. The, if you'd asked me initially, I thought the 5th Doctor would have been a really odd choice to pair up with this warlord. But it works. Mm-hmm. And then having the 6th Doctor come in in the middle and be the voice of reason... And then having the, the seventh doctor with the dark machinations being the one to take him down. Yeah. That really cemented the, okay, yeah, that was a really cool forward thinking yeah. structure. Yeah, that. Really I, I liked that. And I, I like, I like the, the mother superior link between all of them. I think that that still worked really well. That held things together. Mm-hmm. I think that, it kept the through thread going. It made sense. Even though you've got three different authors writing these stories, it really feels like they did a good job furthering the, the story each time that somebody picked up and went with it. And it, I'm sure there must have been some sort of outline when they sat down and decided to do this. But I, I, again, I was very pleased with this one. There are some issues, and, and you guys make very solid points about them. But I, I still think I enjoyed this one the most. And it, it probably comes down to Sylvester. I just love Sylvester. <laughs> He's come a long way. Hasn't he? <laughs> uh, I wanted to point out uh, Salas's actor. He was Omega. Yeah. Thorn? No. Other Omega. Oh. Yeah. Arkham, Infin- <laughs> Arkham, Arkham Infinity, Infinity Omega. Omega. How dare you get me that excited? <laughs> no, I, I like his voice. I, I thought he I was had, great. I think I had... And he was too, Big yeah. Finish's Omega. Which is why I kept trying to reach, figure out where I heard him before. Okay, yeah. I like his voice. Well, no, and he's, got, he's got a great voice. I saw he's... a note that I needed to look at again here that the doctor uses the synonym uh, Von Sutton again in the audio of the master, mm-hmm. or master, which I think we've done. Yes, we did. We that. have done that one. And I don't remember that. didn't but... catch that at, at the time. But that's kind of a neat little aside that I think if we had done SLCs and then listened to Master, we would have. The other interesting things about this that's pointed out to the continuity is that the, the, it's mentioned the Doctor has built his new console room. So he this is the console room. This is the console room from... This is the steampunk. Yes, from Doctor in the movie. And that uh, this takes place very near up to, close to his regeneration in the movie. So Which the Master did too. I, that particular story was towards yeah. the end as well. So. Very cool. And Yeezy's in it, so there's a, you know. Yeezy's? <laughs> did you know that going in, or did you have to look him up? I look him up, because I was listening to him, and I thought, who is this actor? And then I went yeah. to the I went to the wiki and went, 
Oh, come on, Yeezy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that once I saw his name, the voice was totally familiar. I was like, oh, yeah, of course that's him. And apparently this story also featured Mark Gatiss. Oh, it did. I did not see As that. It's Deputy Warren Barris. Ah, very good. Is it almost to the point where Gate is showing up in Doctor Who anything? I'm not... <laughs> okay. Well, no, of course he's there. Gatiss is here again. <laughs> it's like finding out Nicholas Briggs is in something. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so next week we'll t- tackle the plague herds of Excellus, which will not include the Doctor, and uh, we'll, but we'll have uh, Benny and Iris, which I think will be a fun pairing. You had also said on the schedule that we're going to look back over the series as a whole. I think we've sort of done yeah, that we've, already we've with that, these but parts, but we might have some more things we, we to may say have some, about uh, it once we listen. Some, some new insights. Shed new lights. Just from the standpoint of, I, 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 I would, I'll delve a little deeper into the, was it necessary? <laughs> Why did this get made? <laughs> or how did this get made? Um, but, you know, kind of like when we cover... You're yeah, talking about Plague, the next one. Yeah. Why did that one get made? Yeah. No, no, no. I just, in the general... Entire, oh, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. As as with most things, like when we get done talking about you know the uh, key to time, we'll talk about the saga as a whole, and we'll just we'll just cover Excellus and see if there's anything else that we. We'll see if it's a worthy planet or if it's okay that it's been was destroyed at the end of the caves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. So there's that. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about about Excellus? We'll return to Excellus Not again one week. more time. All right, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, as you just pointed out, we're gonna we're gonna do the Plague Heralds of Excellus next week with uh, Benny and Iris, uh, and no Doctor, or at least not that we're aware of. Uh, at our Friday night Who offering uh, next week will be the first three segments of uh, Sea Devils. Uh, so some funky Pertwee. I'm doing my funky <laughs> Pertwee dance. You can't see it. Uh, so come in for that. No one going further out than that. Oh, I suppose we could. Case things I got it pulled up. You got it pulled. Well, I do too. I just didn't have it pulled up right in front of me. Well, it'd be good to go out uh, another week. Okay, we'll go out one more. We week. got another book coming because we're doing another book. That's so true. That way, we are doing another book. Listeners, should... make sure they get that book read. Uh, uh, and, and I guess a change too. Yeah. Um, so uh, then the following week, the seventeenth, we will finish the Sea Devils for Friday Night Who with parts four through six, and then back into the Brigverse, uh, Lethbridge Stewart, <laughs> the Dreamers Lament. Uh, by Benjamin Burford Jones. Uh, the schedule says we'll be doing 48 Crash. We are going to hold off on that. Uh, it has come to our attention on the advice of the publisher that uh, we're just going to save that. So uh, that will not that could be stricken from your schedules because uh, we're just going to wait until probably Havoc 4 Yes, for that one. I suppose I should mention there's another change to the schedule as well uh, from uh, the Lethbridge or from uh, the Brigverse on the Lethbridge Stewart end, all the way down on uh, in December, uh, Traveling the Vortex 361. We said that we were going to do the novella Day of the Intelligence by friend of the show Andy Frank Allen, uh, and it, uh, Andy Frank Allen told us that uh, Day of the Intelligence will not be released uh, in December when we planned to <laughs> schedule it and uh, talk about it. Um, so since I do not have a time machine and cannot procure a copy before it releases so that we can still talk about it, uh, we're going to replace that with um, Flaming Soldier, which is the other novella. So uh, I will I haven't made that change on the website yet, but it's officially been made. So now you're officially aware of it if you're following along at home. 
Very good. And uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to our website, travelingthevortex.com. On the right-hand side of the page, there's a button where you can become a patron. That'll take you to Patreon. And uh, there you can support this podcast by donating money. Uh, you can do a monthly pledge. You can do a one-time pledge. Anything helps goes right back into this podcast. There are also some links on the right-hand side of that for uh, affiliate uh, ad, uh, ads and sponsors that you can do as well. Anything else we need to talk about this week before we close out this show? I don't think so. McRib is back. <laughs> so is Sean. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week. And until next week, I'm Glenn. We are both meat patties slathered in sauce. At least you're on a meat puppet. <laughs> I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. That Cheers. sounded like a drunk joke. That was not meant to be a drunk joke. You have to cut that now. I can't totally, totally cannot say that. Oh, it's all going. Oh, no. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.